Eccentric, obscure, world-renowned oddity, rising from the depths of small-town white trash to be one of Hollywood's most prolific poets and musical artists. Tony F. Corpse joins us in the funeral parlor today. Let's see what he has to say. Arise now, all ye who hate the living, zombies crawling dreadfully, the screams of the dying, I feast on that sound. Future corpses, and welcome to the gothic side of life. I am your funeral guide, Glenn Lee Allen Davis. As we explore the present, the past, and the unknown, there are few who have intrigued me as much as our next guest. He started in a band from Atwater, California called Black Mass, and through many name changes, eventually became the underground legends Willow Wisp for which I have had the privilege of playing for many years in Hollywood, California. Since my departure from the band, Will-O-Wisp continued to struggle with addiction and the changing times. Eventually it crumbled, but from there, the original Future Corpse thrived by playing for many bands, including Astro Vamps, Salem's Lot, and Black Heroin Gallery, just to name a few. Now he has a new undertaking with Postmortem Superstar. <laughs> Postmortem Superstar is an eclectic amalgam of black and death doom thrash, intertwined with smatherings of 70s progressive post-punk goth and horror soundtrack influence, reverse drumming, ritual dagger implementation, and a trash cam murder ceremony. They have a new release coming in the next few months, so we want to talk to him today to discuss that as well as try to invade the intellectual mind of a madman. Let the discussion begin. Behold, the witching hour! <laughs> so this is a man who has had many titles over the years. Writer, poet, lyricist, musician, artist, painter, backwards drummer, trash can murder ritualist. You can say he's basically a composer of the dark arts. Let's welcome Tony F. Corpse into the funeral parlor. Thanks for joining us, Tony. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's been a long time, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to take part in the gothic side of life. And yeah, it's awesome. Cool. I'm glad that we're still creating art, art together and we're able to talk about this cool stuff after decades. You know, we're still here surviving the game. And yeah, it is amazing that that we've stuck around. Do I mean, I've, I've kind of taken breaks here and there, but I've always been doing something creative. 
one way or the other. Uh, and so have you, it's, it, it's weird how it's just, it's in your blood, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think if you become possessed by it, I think more so you have to be born it. You know what I mean? You have to be born a, an artist. Yeah. Cause I think people that aren't born actual artists and they fall by the wayside or they commit suicide or they give up or they go on to have, families or whatever. I mean, nothing against people having families if they retain that art aspect. But me personally, I think that gets in your way. That's why I never got married or had kids. You know, nothing against people that do that. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did that, but, you know, but I still yeah, kept some cool. sense of, of, of uh, creativity. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's kind of my question for you is, you know, because you and I have both known people throughout our lifetime, friends, family, who you're pretty much said, you know, they're wearing a suit or something like that. And you're like, fuck, man, I can't be like that person. So what do you think it is for you that makes you want to be different? Uh, it's like kind of goes back to what I initially said. I was just born a natural part of what I am. And honestly, nobody in my family was, had any musicality in their blood, which is strange. Because I picked up drums instantaneously. Uh, guitar, I've been playing guitar about 30 years. But when I first picked up a guitar, it was just so baffling to me. I couldn't even figure out how to do a chord. But then it came to me later. But drums were kind of instant. I mean, I just took the drums, like, fast. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. But even without your musical, like, even without your music uh, endeavors, let's just say you being, let's say, a freak, uh, to you know, uh, to be <laughs> yeah. a weirdo. I mean, there, there's a certain people who need that. <laughs> Because some people over time, they kind of give up on it or they kind of change. Like you said, they start a family and they go in a different, they say, oh, it's time for to grow up. But me, I I still haven't cut my hair. I still wear black every day. You still dress up as much as you can. What do you think it is that caused you to say, I can't be like normal society other than just being born that way? Like it, it was there something that developed in you early on that you said, oh, I love that. I got to have this. I got to do that. Or what influenced you the most? Maybe partially my dad being semi-abusive when I was younger. That kind of played into it. And I think I fucked up by reading a lot of psychology books. I was in <laughs> as far back as sixth and seventh grade. I was just obsessed with psychology books. I go sit in the library and just read psychology books about the human mind, the physicality of the body, why people do what they do, emotions. Now, do you think that has to do with your, your dad or, or? Possibly. I mean, it's kind of weird. I started looking at my dad as a traitor. I often felt uncomfortable in his presence. Like he wasn't really my father. And sometimes I question, is that really my father? But I don't know. It's just weird. But with my mom, I always felt, you know, a kinship with my mother, of course. Like, oh, this is my mom. I felt comfortable around him. With my dad, I just felt awkward around him. You know, he's like real macho and. He's on the sports and he'd come, he was a substitute teacher. So sometimes <laughs> he'd teach classes in high school and I'd dread going to school. He'd go, Hey, tell him I'm going to be uh, teaching at your English class tomorrow. I'm like, oh, cool. In my mind, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I go to sleep just dreading it, dude, just like playing that. Like, oh, man, just dreading it. Like, please don't let me wake up. <laughs> <laughs> but see, for me, it was the opposite. I mean, like my mom, I felt the same way about my mom because she had schizophrenia. And so she never really paid attention to me and I felt more of a kinship to my dad, but I know that feeling of just not feeling attention from a parent or basically being treated not the way you should be. And I did the same thing. I read psychology books, philosophy books and, and crap like that, which is probably why we got along so get together so well in the band and, and everything else. Yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. But what was it like growing up with that? Like, as far as like outside of the family, like dealing with dipshits from high school and, and, you know, people that obviously didn't understand who you were, or what you wanted to be. They treated you like shit or I got a little bit of that. I mean, I think I was a nerd up until maybe 10th grade. And then once I formed Willow with met Eric and started growing my hair out and looking cooler and we started playing shows and people actually saw that, Oh, these guys are good. Damn, that guy's fucking awesome on the drums. Then everything changed. I wasn't getting canned anymore. Remember when they used to can kids in high school? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They'd pick you up and they'd like throw you ass first in the trash cans. They'd laugh like all the 12th graders and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't get canned anymore, even though I only got canned maybe like twice. But but I was a nerd. You know, I looked like a Bobby Brady type with a short curly hair. I was real goofy and shy. But that all changed when, you know, Willow was got together. We started playing shows and we were kind of like rock stars on campus. Girls started coming around liking us and... I think that's when I truly found my identity. I was just like, okay, this is it for my life. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So I'm fucking dead. No turning back ever. I'm going to go to LA and I'm never going to stop ever. And you haven't. And I've stuck to that. So this very, yeah, <laughs> never. I'm never going to stop on dead. Yeah. I'm a lifer, man. Like all the way. You know? That's great. And, and Pure conviction. Pure conviction is what I have. I mean, if anything I can say about myself, I'm pure conviction. I'll, I'll die in a fucking ditch if I have to. Doing music. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with that because that's the same attitude you had when we were back in 1992 when we first got together in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the exact same attitude, yeah. which is great that it hasn't changed. I mean, that's that's what I've always found amazing and um, fascinating that somebody like yourself, no matter what the cost is, because there's so many people that say, oh, why don't you just get a real job or, oh, why don't you grow <laughs> up or why don't you do this? But yet... For some reason, someone like you, no matter what, no matter what obstacles are thrown at you, you decide to do it anyway. So why, why can't people respect that and go, well, shit, this person really has a passion for doing this. You know, like, uh, I don't understand other people's brains to where they, they have to constantly put those that are different down because they're not in the military or they're not fucking working at the, you know, a suit job or something like that. I don't really look at the negativity. I'm definitely apolitical. I'm totally against politics. When people talk about that stuff, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not into the president or anything. I just, if anything, I respect the military as a whole more than anything, even the president, because they actually protect our country physically. If it wasn't for the military, you know, we'd all be dead. Like definitely, people like us would be killed. Yeah, right away. But uh, I just don't buy into the gossip stuff. I don't get involved in talking to people online about. Gossip is just a complete fucking waste of energy. You know? It's like what Anton Levy's talked about, psychic vampires. Uh, I don't get involved with those people whatsoever. I just completely ignore it. Man. Yeah, it's a waste of time. But then at the same time, uh, would you find that maybe by, because I know some people that converse in that world and like to get involved in that, they actually find inspiration from other people's stupidity or from being immersed in that. Uh, but that doesn't inspire you at all or that doesn't they're eloquent speakers and they make sense about things yeah i'll listen that inspires me but it's just bantering back and forth about ridiculous things that make no sense small talk basically and just like cutting into each other and putting down each other and just being basic idiots and uh, i have no time for that fucking, yeah i hate that <laughs> <That's> I, just <laughs> like, it's just pointless shit, you know? yeah pointless bullshit yeah, life, life, life's too short the cliche goes it's just shorter but no, i'm just kidding 
So yeah, life's too short to mess with that kind of stuff. I mean, why waste your energy, man? Like, you know what I mean? We can die at any time. Life's still fucking precious. Yeah. It's a cliche, but I believe that every day. I have a sign above my door that says, Tony, live it up today. You could die tonight. And I look at that every day before I exit out my door and I look at it, yeah, fuck that. I better like have a good attitude and try to do everything I can today. Even if I can like play guitar just for five extra minutes, say if I have like a 12 hour workday, I'll just do it like, let me just get in one more lick on the guitar, anything. I cram in everything I can every day because you never know when you're going to die. Might as well get one last minute of something in that you love, right? Instead of ignoring it. <laughs> And that's great. And isn't it weird how that the more the older you get, the more that becomes apparent to you to where because I obsess, like, especially after I turned like 40, I obsessed over the same thing. Like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to do this. You know, fuck that. I'm not wasting any time. And I'm 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 usually always productive anyways. But ever since then, it's you know, it's like a weird switch in your head where you go, okay, I got to I got to make my my time count on this planet. When I know it's about that, I mean, I know you're. Your father recently died, so sorry yeah. to hear about that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate and I that. And I think, I just wanted to bring this up, that the older we get, we lose people. Yeah. People we love, box stars, family members, even strange people we knew like five years ago. Oh my God, they died, whatever. And then life becomes that much more precious to you. The older you get and the longer you survive, if you're lucky enough, you're going to lose a lot of people along the way. And that's going to teach you every time. And man. Uh, not get involved in stupidity like politics and killing each other and all that fucking shit and just feel life, the essence of it. I know it's just, it's beautiful. It sounds gay, but yeah, life is beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm full of hatred and I fucking hate a lot of stuff. I still have that fucking just dark Mm -hmm. pessimistic side. I mean, I've really felt my loving side a lot more as I get older, you know? Yeah, because I do remember back many years ago, you did have a very uh, angry sh- streak, not towards other people, but just in general about the world around you. And and it's great to see that you've evolved and, you know, learned to somewhat accept that. But it's still good to have it at the same time. It's still good to have that anger to motivate you and, and you know, I guess two sides, the devil and the the angel, you know. I've done so much dumb shit. I mean, I could have been dead like numerous times. I mean, even in my early 40s, I was just doing stupid shit. Like, I, I get drunk purpose. I never drank. Like, I never let it overtake me. I was an alcoholic. I mean, I could do it like, I get wasted and not drink for four months at will. Just like, ah, fuck that. The smell of alcohol makes me puke. Luckily, I have that in me because my father is like a total alcoholic. I think he still is. And he's like almost 75. He's like, he's alive. But yeah, I used to drink and just, in my mind, my goal was, cool. maybe I'll die tonight. Maybe I'll kill someone. Maybe I'll, like, shit my pants and end up under some bushes somewhere, and that's what would happen. I swear, every time I'd shit my <laughs> pants, piss my pants, wake up with <laughs> some bushes like an animal. I think that primal uh, reptilian side of me uh-huh. said, all right, Tony, hide under some bushes, cover up, cover up, so the carnivores won't get you. Because I'd always end up in a secluded area, away from everything, totally hidden, like, what the fuck? I crawl out at five in the morning, piles of leaves and fucking like debris and like cardboard and shit all over me. I get up, shit in my pants, like oh fuck, and I puke because I just feel like so fucking fucked up. I did that dumb shit. Even in but then my- would that inspire you? Would that inspire you then to go? Oh shit! I actually survived. I went through all this. I fell asleep or I passed out in the bushes, and yet I'm still fucking alive. I didn't die, so now I'm gonna live my life. <laughs> it would 
because I wonder, I'm going to have to write right here this time. This is like, what, the 40th time I've done this in my life? Jeez. About maybe I have an angel on my shoulder, you know? Yeah. Try even cliche that song. Could be true. I don't know. That's all mysterious and metaphysical stuff, but I think that way sometimes. I don't know. I don't really know if I believe in luck or anything. No, I don't either. I think it's more instinct-based. I think through years of evolution that you kind of realize that, oh, I should go left or I should go right. My instinct, my gut is telling me to go right. And yeah. instead, if I would have gone left, there would have been a huge accident and I would have died. So I trust my instinct. And I think that's what you do too. And that's what causes you to survive and to thrive. In that. Yeah. Um, this sort of blackout drunk things I'm talking about where it's the, you know, when you on autopilot uh-huh. you're existing and moving around you can find your way home put the key in the lock and get in and wake up the next day everything's put away and you're like you know what i don't even remember from 5 p.m yesterday where did it all go until right now how the fuck did i get home you know what i mean it's just <laughs> yeah. like your brain goes on autopilot yeah that's that's weird no i've never experienced that in my life because i'm a control freak but yeah that must be that must be nuts to to experience that yeah, but I mean, I'm good now. I've, I've really mellowed out a lot. I'm very happy now in my life. I think 2013, when you know I got out of a long-term relationship, I was all sad, and everything just went to shit. I moved out of my apartment. I didn't move in a uh, rehearsal studio. I lived in illegally with no bathroom, and I just sneak around living there. Oh, man, it's just like a nightmare. Finally, I found this new place in Northridge in early 2015. Been here ever since. And, that struggle for a long time doing telemarketing like an idiot, thinking, "Oh, I'm not good enough. Nobody will hire me in a regular job like everyone else." Blah blah blah. But yeah, insecure. But now I got a great job with United Federal Policy. It's very rewarding. It's taught me a lot about people to like people more and understand that a lot of people have it way worse than I'll ever have it. And it just it teaches me a lot about humanity and humility, and makes me feel. It makes me relate to my heart better. Yeah. And be a better person. Helps you appreciate life. And I like and... the job, man. I actually like the job. I actually like it so much to where I don't go to bed at night even thinking I have a job. Because it's like an adventure. It's just like I go to clients' homes and I basically sit there and help them. You know, it's like because they have to go to the bathroom and I cook food for them. I take them to the store and clean their house, whatever. You know, just all kinds of stuff. Bathe them, all kinds of stuff. It's a cool job. You know, it's rewarding. It's very solitary. And I love it because there's no fucking asshole bosses around me. There's not a million people fucking surrounding me, fucking bugging the shit out of me. Well, I think that makes a huge difference. And also your creative, you, you being able to be creative. I I found the same thing because just for context for our audience, uh, we all did when you played in a band in Hollywood, that was what you did is you did telemarketing because that was the only job that would let you dress up and not care mm-hmm. what you look like because you were on the phone. <laughs> And so all of us wouldn't want to do anything else. But the downside was, is we had to talk to horrible people. We had to talk them in the crap they didn't want. And we got yelled at all the time. (laughs) I remember when I did it and I finally quit and started my own business. I was getting stomach aches every day. I was like throwing up because my boss was such a bitch. And I finally just said, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. And I felt so free and I started my own business and I was like, okay, I can do this. And I was very successful because I was happy. And it's, you know, obviously that's what's happening with you. And now that you're, you're more successful in that and you're happy with what you work with. Now you're, you know, you're, you're thriving, which, which brings us to, you know, obviously you played in Will-O-Wisp. You've played, uh, what is it? Salem's Lot, Astrovamps, um, 
many other bands. And now you have your new project, Postmortem Superstar, which is, do you Uh think it's kind of come full circle that now you're able to create your style of music because the other bands, you know, you were, you were different, but you really wasn't you, you know, not like it was when you were in Willow Wisp. Yeah. How does that feel now that you're able to actually create this wonderful music, you know? A really rewarding. I mean, basically I write 75% of all the material, all the guitar parts. I did all the bass on the album coming out. Most of the vocals, all the drums, lyrics, of course. And then Crystal Phantom, he's a guitar player, Curtis Field. The uh, other component of the band, he's 25% of it. He also composes and sings. And you're going to hear all this when the CD and the album comes out. And we're we're, uh, shooting for a late March release, I'm hoping, but maybe early April. Oh, man, it's going to sound great. We got Roman producing it and doing a fucking amazing job big really big the template of the drum sound is the metallica black album you know huge bars of drum sound on that yeah i mean you could definitely tell all the songs are written around a drummer because the drums are very prominent yeah. which i love it, it's very mm-hmm. it, it's it's almost like a symphony where the drums are around the tippany and the uh, you know uh and the percussion and it just drives yeah. it so well. The songs that I've heard are just absolutely amazing. We'll listen to a few of those a little bit later. But I know you're not only writing music, you've done art, painting. Obviously, your main thing is poetry. Uh, when you're doing the process, what is it like or what is it what it inspires you to basically create that piece of art or that piece of music or writing? What's the process for you? Is there one or does it just come randomly? As far as the wording or the music or whatever it is to take you to create, like whether it's a piece of art or like, like, is there anything where you just sit down and say, okay, today, you know what? I'm going to paint a picture today. I'm going to write a poem or I'm going to write a song. Like what, what's the process for that? Actually, I thought it was very natural when the muse comes to me, I follow That's how I've always worked. I don't ever just sit there and think, what am I going to do today? You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of hit me at that moment and then oh I want to work on guitar right now I'll sit down and risk will just come to me like oh cool I'm writing songs you know just more like very natural obviously like we talked about earlier it's it's more of just an instinct it's obviously it's probably your birthright just to to be able to do what it is that you do and I'm grateful that I had the privilege I'm going to play a little bit of a song that you worked on with me from uh, KOFN Underground, my project, and you did the tortured vocals for Down the Lonely Path. So yeah. let's listen to that, that a little cool. bit. I like that. that to me was exactly how I heard it in my head. It was very, actually it was more so because I heard it more of just the style that you normally do. But when you added that one part, that's kind of like a weird scream, but then it comes back. I was like, Oh, that's fucking cool. You know? Uh, and surprisingly it matched up with the opera vocals, which I, I was very nervous about whether it would or not, since Mm -hmm. you guys didn't even know, uh, uh, what the other person's part was. So I was surprised that it turned out as, as well as it did. 
And thank you for, yeah, for like participating in that. Hey, it wasn't crazy because I took a, an hour break when we were rehearsing. Uh-huh. And I thought maybe mistakenly I, I laid down a bad vocal because, you know, when you're growling for like two hours already, and cool, I'm going to go sing this for my friend's project, you know, get this out of the way, you know, da, da, da. And my voice felt really strained. I heard it back. I'm all, oh, God, that sounds very, like, strained. So it felt a bit weak when I sang it. Mm-hmm. I was all, oh, shit, fuck, man. Like, can you play it back with the music? Can you play it back? I'm all, yeah, that sounds cool. It's yeah. kind of crazy. When you hear the vocals, usually the growly stuff by itself. It sounds completely different. It's yeah, it's so weird. I did the same thing. Kind of, <laughs> kind of comical. You're like, that sounds neat, dude. It doesn't even sound like brutal. But then for some reason, when the music goes with it, it just sounds like cool. Like, oh, yeah, it sounds fucking like heavy, dude, like that. Uh, yeah, when I first got it from you, I was like, oh, crap, I don't know if I can use this because I just heard it before I put it in the mix. And I was like, oh, that seems kind of, uh, it doesn't sound right. But then when it was with the music uh, and I added, you know, uh, boosted it up a little bit and added some EQ and compression, it was like, perfect. I was like, oh shit, this is, this is right. So, but I think that's one of the things I want to point out here with you, Tony, is that, you know, one of the most important lessons I've learned in music was from you. I mean, you taught me from the very beginning when I moved to Hollywood in 1992, to be strange, be obscure, and not be afraid of of exploring different styles. And it's weird that given the occasional nod over the years, we really haven't kept in touch all that much. And it's surprising to me how much of an influence you've had over me in my musical writing style, uh, because it seems like we're both trying to achieve the same thing by trying to put as, as much different styles into the same song or pushing the boundaries as much as we can. And I want to let you know that I appreciate the impact that you've had on me over the years, you know, because even though we haven't kept in touch, I've always thought of you Mm -hmm. and I've always, you know, when I would write something or even just, you know, even, even when I was doing creative stuff for my business, I'd be like, Oh, I wonder if Tony would like this, you know, (laughs) Cool. I would always ask myself that question. It makes me happy to hear because I have this pessimistic side. I think everyone secretly just hates me for some reason. (laughs) Don't ask why. I don't know. It's just, I'm the same. I don't, I don't know why. It's just my psychology. But I was like, thank you for telling me that. It makes me happy. But those kind of comments are what drive me to just create till I die. Like what you just said. Yeah. That just like boosts me up. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Like someone actually is inspired by me. Wow, crazy. Like, cool. It's I'll true. It's that true. adds another, another year of creativity to me. <laughs> but see, that's that's part of the reason why I'm hard. I'm. I have a difficult time communicating with other people too, like staying in touch with you or Mm -hmm. anyone else from my past. It's because I always feel like, Oh, I'm just bothering them. They don't want to fucking talk to me. Oh, you know, I don't want to deal with that because you know, I don't know. Like I always do the same thing. I get like kind of, uh, uh, you know, insecure and, and, that's why I don't, I don't keep in touch with my family, barely, you know. <laughs> so you're actually a great communicator. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, well, like, you're a boss of the jobs we were at. You're an excellent communicator. You're way better than me. And you got to reach out to people, you know. You got to reach out to people you love and don't be scared. Let yeah. them know. Even if they hate you, that's my philosophy. If you love them and appreciate them, let them know. Even if they tell you to fuck off, say, hey, it's okay. I still love you and appreciate you. Just keep that in your mind. Yeah. You always got to push for that. Like do that, you know? Well, that's what the weird part is in my brain. It like, once we're here and we're in this conversation, I'm a great communicator, but getting to that point is like climbing fucking Mount Everest. You know, it's like, 
I, I, it's a lot of anxiety and trying to get to there. But once I'm there, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way, you know. It's just like eating in the set. You're kind of shy, and you're just like, and you start. You know, I have a strange thing. Like, tell me if you're the same way. <laughs> Should I go personal here? You're like, yeah, weirded out by it. Are you? No, no. Oh, okay. Say you're you're having getting ready to have sex with your wife, lady, whatever. Uh huh. And you ever think about say you're doing sixty nine with a chick, and you can like smell her butt. <laughs> and you're like, oh fuck! But then when you get into it, the endorphins take over, and the sexual juices become sweet, and that smell goes away. You know what I'm talking about? You get that way? Maybe everyone's like that. When you get into the animalistic side, the bad smells go away all of a sudden. Well, I don't think I quite I think I about it in that. that. Yeah, I don't think I think <laughs> yeah. about it in that sense because then I probably would be turned off by it. But <laughs> but I know I what you're do, talking do. about. Sometimes Sometimes I'd be like doggy style with my girlfriend and I'd stop myself from coming by doing a zombie face. I'd just sit there straight with my face just straight like fantastic something like while I was going, Oh yeah, yeah, but my face would be totally like a stone. <laughs> That's, That's how I'd stop from having an orgasm <laughs> and the chick would be all getting into it or whatever and she didn't even know my face was a stone just like fucking staring in the face no expression see now what if because of that uh, now in all the sitcoms they always say thinking of baseball to stop from having an orgasm now they're gonna have make a zombie face because of you that'd be cool <laughs> that'd be cool the next talk show we see or the next sitcom they're all like oh i'm gonna make a zombie face well fuck that was tony <laughs> <laughs> because your face is straight and you're making that sound <laughs> with your face there you're like oh yeah uh, but your face is just dead straight and you're concentrating <laughs> on something other than the person you're with <laughs> uh, I always worked for me maybe a lot of people do that but I don't know just the thought of the thought of it was hilarious you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> how did that start where, how did that lead into that I don't, I don't know. Even know what the question was now we're talking and <laughs> led into this like where'd that come from it just, awesome. <laughs> your, your beautiful mind that's where it came from because that's when i would lived in hollywood and i used to have the ride the bus and and all that shit that's what i always used to think with all the people that were pissed off uh when i would ride on the bus i would think well every one of these people has to have a sex face they have to have an orgasm face <laughs> you know as angry as they uh, are they must have uh, at some point and i try to picture their face like all the homeless people and what do they look like when they're coming you know <laughs> cool. i like that so that way I'll make you know me feel better. Over? What's that? You know what I obsess over? It's the weirdest thing, too. The weirdest thing. I'll tell my friends this uh Tony dude, like too much information, man. Like, why do you talk about this stuff? I don't do it all the time that it leads into this weird kind of subject. Uh -huh. I obsess over people's buttholes. <laughs> I don't think about it like every day, like, oh look at that, look at that, da, da, da. But if I think about it, I think, yeah, I bet that person has a smelly asshole. <laughs> and I think because I put deodorant in my ass bag. I don't know where this came from. One day to start, I think I started putting powder in there because I was thinking, one of my butt stinks. Or maybe I was like, I think my mom showed me a pair of my dad's underwear when I was like <laughs> 10 years old. She was like, Tony, want to see something gross? So she was doing the uh, laundry. I'm all, what? And she was like, look at this. And it'll tell you this cake with shit. I'm all, oh. And she's like, ew, gross. Your dad did that. Ew. And she's putting it in my face. Laughing, I'm like, oh. I think maybe that like got in my mind and tormented me at a young age. I, I don't know where yeah, it no came shit. from. It's the oddest thing, though, you know. Yeah, it's or weird shit. the things you remember. Literally, but no shit. Yeah. Well, she was just being funny, like, you know, like, yeah. You know, well, I, I remember that. By that. 
that that reminds me of the very first night that I moved to Hollywood when I joined the band and I had that video camera and we did that interview. And the first thing you did was make your butt talk. And that was before, was that before Ace Ventura even? <laughs> or did you get that from Ace Ventura? Uh-huh. Let, me, let me think. When did Ace Ventura come out? Was that like 93? Yeah, 94? I thought it was after because I remember seeing Ace Ventura and okay, saying, yeah, hey, yeah. Tony did that first. You know? <laughs> No, 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 yeah. Ace Ventura was after because I remember seeing the movie like, ah, fuck, I got him beat. Yeah. And I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, he, he has his pants on. Fuck that, dude. I did that shit with my pants down, you know, like yep. full asshole open. But yeah, yeah, I did it before that. But I'm sure a lot of people have. It's no big deal. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, do it on camera. That's another story, which you have done, which I should put that video up on YouTube, but I think they'll they'll probably t- shut it down. But <laughs> yeah, it's time to come back to haunt me. Like part of me says, and let people see it. He fucking cares. It'll raise some controversy. And part of me is a bit more conservative. Like, oh god, like why did I do that? I don't want to see that. <laughs> That's the uh, devil and the angel fighting again. <laughs> but I mean. If you look at it psychologically, it's just a butthole. It's part of the human body that's rotting away and will be dissipated to dust or fucking buried in a grave one day. So who really cares? You know, there's just so many sides to all this stuff. You can, you can go many directions with it. You, you got to do what you like and what feels natural to you and who gives a shit about what anyone else thinks. That's, but that's harder, easier said than done. <laughs> Now you've been in, uh, obviously you've been in the Hollywood scene for the last 30 years now. Um, to you, how yeah, much? Old, dude. Yeah. How much has it changed? Twenty years? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ten oh, years. Man. Honestly, okay. Honestly, I don't even follow it. Man. I never did. I've never. No, but I'm, scene, I'm just. Quote, but obviously, unquote, you're you know? in the scene. You're you're around the people. How has it changed as far as like the bands and the music, and you know, uh, uh, is it just dead? Is it no? Is there still like a goth scene there? Is there still like a bunch of uh, cool people? Like there used to be, or has that changed, or how does that? How have you noticed the difference? Pretty good. I mean, you know, I'm also on Black Heroin Gallery. Yahoo's been. Yeah. And we've done. You know, we played in uh, Mexico City, Pueblo, and you know, we had like two really kick-ass shows. There. The last show we played was packed. We played with um, Screaming Dead. Have you heard of that band? No, I haven't. So, like a famous goth band from England. They formed in like the mid '80s and are still going. But most people were there for them. But we opened up. And dude, this is like a portal in time, like 1985. All the fucking young people too in their 20s, big fucking 10 foot high mohawk, leather vest, heavy like real uh, like helter skelter, bat cave type goth makeup. You know what I mean? Like the early 80s style, like specimen and stuff. Tons of those people. Everybody is moshing. I was like, I literally thought I was in a time portal. Like, whoa, this is fucking weird. And they loved us crazy dude like they love this like, yeah that's what's weird about going awesome to another show. country is that they they're usually in a time portal when you go <laughs> somewhere else that's great i love it dude. yeah it's i so know cool. it's a fucking awesome show now do you miss willow wisp yeah. do you miss being in willow wisp do you miss uh, uh... Nah, i hate i hate those guys especially tony no, <laughs> um do i miss it yeah seeing all this stuff now i get very nostalgic I don't want to say I've let it go in a bad way, but I'd actually like to do a huge book one day and have like flyers and fan mail and like a big history and have all the past members interject and the main members and release a bunch of like DVD footage and con, you know what I mean? Just have like a whole huge package. Yeah, like a coffee book or something. That would be kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, you know, maybe like five, 10 years down the line. So I actually have money now in my life. I actually have like a bank account. 
something I've never had in my life, if you can believe it. Kids, <laughs> listen to me. It can take half your life, but you can have money one day if you get smart. It just took me, you know, 20 years too late. You have to start investing in the stock market now. I actually have money now, Glenn. I can actually go out each week and spend a hundred bucks if I want to, and it doesn't bother my savings. Like, wow, is this real? I feel like, <laughs> you know, to me, I feel like I'm rich or something. Yeah, that's the security, quote unquote, whatever that means. I don't believe in anything secure at all in life, but quote unquote, the italic. I care about it in the sense of going back to security. You know, having that nice nest egg if an emergency arises, you're like, cool, I have the money to help myself now. Whereas before, it's like, oh, I got fucking shit, dude. I spent my last 30 bucks on a metal album or whatever. Like, you don't have any money in savings? Savings? What's that? Oh, no. I paid my <laughs> rent. I bought a few records. I'm fucking dead broke again. <laughs> you know? But do you think that's maybe that's... mostly was. <laughs> maybe that's the reason your outlook on life has gotten better is because you're able to put more value in your life by saying, oh, I'm comfortable now. I, 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 it, life feels better because I'm, I'm not stressed out about having to pay the bills or not having enough money to make the rent. Yeah, it helps a lot. Especially it helps when you have a job that you don't mind having. I mean, that and like the catalyst for yeah. a better life, or at least a semblance of a better life, quote unquote. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't even think about my job. Like I said, it's like, I have to go to work tomorrow and I forgot already. Oh, I'm working tomorrow. My life feels like a weird vacation now or something. Yeah. Trust me. I haven't had a job in like a year, so I'm, I'm good. All I've been doing is writing music <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> doing podcasting and shit because of COVID. So, you know, my business shut down. So, eh. <laughs> you know, it's crazy when the world was thriving, Tony was suffering. Now when the world started suffering, I began thriving. I thought that was kind of weird. Like, weird. Everything's going my way now. I had money when everyone else was suffering. And when I, whenever, uh, when everyone else was thriving, I was suffering. Like, oh, how does that work? You better hope the world continues to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love it when nobody's on the, you know, I like the mask. Dude, I hope that goes so I'm dead. I, I love hiding from people and nobody can see my face. I yeah. love that. I'm, I'm going to be off sad when it goes back to, we don't have to wear a mask anymore. No, please. I just want mine until I'm dead. I don't want people looking at me like that. Yeah, you can still wear it. Fuck it. You just say you're sick. You know, hey. Isn't that beautiful, though? I love the anonymity, that anonymity of, like, hiding from people. It's just ah, beautiful. They can't look at my face and study my emotions. What do you think? You know what I mean? I love that. But which is weird at the same time because you are a purveyor of dressing up and being outlandish isn't the very essence of of dressing up and being, uh, you know, as grand as you can be so people can look at you. Well, that's the only time I like people looking at me is when I'm in that element. Like, cool. Like, you can be right two feet in front of me staring at me like, yeah, look at me. Cool. Awesome. Look at my makeup. It's cool. But when I'm in my normal state, like now, I go, oh, God, I hope we don't have to do a live interview. I mean, it'd be cool to think, damn, I'm going to put my makeup on. You know what I mean? Because I want to <laughs> yeah. look presentable and cool. I don't want to look, you know, I like shit right now. Hair tied up, freaking beard growing in. I don't want to be seen like that. I mean, I will be, that'll come up, of course, but if I can avoid it, I will at all costs. I'd rather look, you know, crazy, you know, and interesting looking. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Especially, obviously, when you're addressing fans or, or, or people outside of your normal uh, um, environment. So, I get that. Yeah, That's... you got to give people something to laugh at, you know, part of the entertainment thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh... I love that. Yeah. So with your new band, Postmortem Superstar, I wanted to take some time and listen to a couple of the songs. I have a few uh, snippets of uh, some of your songs. Uh, the Anatomist, 
Let's listen to that and then we can discuss it. Let's let's hear a little bit of that. I love the elements in that song. I love, uh, it reminds me of behemoth a lot. Um, it's, it's very like, I don't know. It's just very dreamy, but at the same time, just fucking brutal. Um, cool. Yeah. Thank you. What was the inspiration behind that? It's funny. That's actually an old, old song that goes back. Like I think I wrote that about 16, 17 years ago, but it was actually on a Willowisp album. It was on, um, enmity. Okay. A different version with a solo in it that Andrix had done and completely, well, it was a basic same blueprint, but it was different. I've always loved that song. I'm like, man, the song has survived the duration. That's one of the only songs from back then that I even considered using because it's so fucking catchy and hooky and very interesting. So that's why we're doing that song. And lyrically, it's about the advancement of medicine. From the very primitive origins to modern day, it's about when grave robbers used to go out and get bodies for the uh, doctors and surgeons in the underground, mm-hmm. illegally digging up bodies to operate on, which was to advance science and to figure out how the human body works. And thus, we created medicine and ways to help people that are dying in emergencies and so on and so forth. So lyrically, that's what the song is about, the anatomist. So. Yeah. But that is a weird concept that that is a weird concept that we've sacrificed humans. We've sacrificed ourselves for the greater good. And, you know, the uh, doctors that probably do that today would be barred and not be able to do it. But yet at the same time, they're like when you think about all the like Nazi doctors from uh, World War Two, how without them, we probably wouldn't have as much advancement in the medical field as we do, although at the cost of obviously millions of lives uh it, it it is a cool concept you know well that's more of the holocaust type they're just doing it to torture people and maybe to find out how the body works as well but i'm coming more from the medical angle as far as developing medicine from studying how the body works from the archaic time yeah so that's kind of more my angle of it more of a helpful way, but still kind of morbid, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's still the same concept that people obviously have to sacrifice their lives 
in order for medicine to advance. Same thing with animals. People always say, oh, don't be cruel to animals, but without doctors testing medicines on them, as cruel as it is, we wouldn't be able to advance in society. And it, you know, it's... That's true. You do have to make sacrifices to advance and make things better and more livable and more durable, I guess. It's just natural, natural science. And it kind of reminds me that, especially when it comes to like religion, because I see people, you know, people who are like... Um, Muslim, I guess, or the, the, like they believe in like their hardcore Muslim where they wear every, they cover every inch of their body, but they only show their eyes, the women, which is fine. If that's their choice, I don't really care, but I find it odd that they adhere to such strict religious beliefs, but then they have an iPhone 12, you know, like they have a brand new iPhone, <laughs> super perfect technology that they're okay with, but they have to, but their bodies for some reason are treated like the fucking uh, the the year zero BC, you know, it's like <laughs> it's well, that that way they can go against their stifled religion and look at porn sites and really see what's underneath all that. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get excited about it. Yeah, that's what they're doing. You know, in the meantime, while they're covering themselves, adhering to their little stupid religion. Yeah, well, I shouldn't say stupid religion, but well, I don't know. Whatever, I don't believe in any religion, but their yeah. religion put it that way. I would they're say it's at, stupid, but uh, I understand their perspective. You know? Yeah, but. But yeah, it's just weird. Like, what? How can you say like, oh, this is everything has to be pure, right? Oh, religion has to be pure. You have to be like the old Jesus days of, you know, when Jesus was born. But at the same time, I want to go on Facebook and complain about everybody and tell everybody what to do. You know, if it wasn't for breaking that relief, if it was up to religion, we wouldn't have Facebook. We wouldn't have pornography. We wouldn't have TV. You know, because religion was against every bit of advancement society has had to offer over the last 2,000 years. <laughs> you, know? Well, you, you know what you do is you take a really hot-looking chick into <laughs> church on Sunday. I mean, a hot-ass chick. And you have her go out by the priest when he's preaching. Oh, never, never mind, never mind, Mr. And she bends over, lifts her skirt up. No, no panties underneath. Trust me where his mind's going. But he's a holy man, but then his animalistic side, which is a true nature of man, takes over. Yeah, it's all a joke, whatever. Well, if it's that a priest, it may have to be a little, it may have to be a little boy right. in order for a priest to get, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. Depends on his sexual preference. Yep. <laughs> whatever gets him off. But, but the fact is, is that we all have human urges, animalistic, raging, whatever it is. And the fact that religion always tries to deny people of those things makes it worse for people. And that's, uh, that bugs me. Religion bugs me. All religion is, is just improv imagination led by one leader holds sway over people with less imaginative minds and that are weak. And there's different sectors like, Oh, here's Muslims, there's Christians, there's Catholics, da, 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 da. a million different sects of religion all over the world. That's all it is. Just one central strong figure brainwashing a bunch of weak-minded people that aren't mentally developed and that's how i view all of it which is sad a lot of religions have points so I, I take points from all of them the ones that make sense and put it in one hole and just call it humanism that's why i'd like to have all the churches in the world put the cross sideways should be the law <laughs> oh my god what is it why are you no 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 stop blessing me oh, what do you mean what do you mean it's called equilibrium it represents what man really is dark and light yeah not right side up, not upside down, sideways. That makes the most logical sense. Because we're all laying down when we're having sex. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, a sideways cross. Come on, man. That should be like the new yeah. symbol for every church in the world. Yeah, I'm down for that. I'm down for abolishing all the churches. Yeah. But, you know. yeah. Now, you being obviously, uh, you're by nature a performer. Do you miss that right now, now with COVID and everything going on? Have you been able to play live? or? Honestly, this is very strange about me. I've always dreaded performing live. Here's why. <laughs> can't stand getting ready for the show but i love how i look after i'm done i can't stand loading the equipment but i love playing on it i can't stand breaking the equipment down feeling all sweaty and your makeup all fucked up after the show taking everything home putting it back taking your makeup i hate all that shit that's one thing i dread about it if i could just snap my finger makeup on perfect costume on perfect uh, Rody set up my drums right now perfectly at the show. Boom. I sit down and play. Awesome. Take me home. All my makeup stuff, everything put away. I'm in bed. I'm going to go to sleep. Boom. <laughs> I love it. I do it every fucking night. But all the other parts, honestly, I hate. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I used to I used to dread. I would love it once we got on stage and once we were playing, then I was in the zone. But right before that, I would pace back and forth. I'd be a nervous wreck. And yeah, you have to make sure all your shit works and you know, if something messes up, you feel like an idiot. If something doesn't go right, yeah, it's just, it's the fucking anxiety times a million. You know, it's going to make me a total asshole. What makes me a total asshole is one of my pet peeves in life. I fucking hate when you're on stage and they start rushing you. Yeah. Like, oh, come on, this is real. We, we got the five minutes, man. The last time before, it's like, oh, dude, that, that gets me angry. That shows me in a real dick. Like, I get attitude in that. Oh, like, oh God, that drives me insane. You've destroyed many a stages because of that. <laughs> It makes me aggressive. I cannot stand being rushed. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Because it takes you out of the mood. Are you like that too? Yeah. It's a, well, it's, you're no longer a performer. You're a fucking monkey that they're telling you what to do. So you can no longer be your, it, it takes you out of the book, out of the moment, out of the the storyline. And that's what you're trying to do to to, to convey to your audience is, is a show, you know? You get sloppy. You literally get sloppy. Yeah. It's like when I get sloppy, I get messy, and then everything just goes to shit. It's like, you don't set your drums up properly. A cymbal is going to fall because you didn't tighten the screw a certain way. Because your mind starts getting, <laughs> you start panicking, and then it leads to a mess, you know? Oh, God. And everything suffers. Everything just suffers. Like, ah, that's the worst thing in the world, you know? And my top three is peppies and like... Well, I think that's why I like this whole new digital age of music. I know a lot of people don't like it. But I actually love it because I, like I can it. sit in my studio, I can write music, and then I just put it online, and I don't have to deal with yeah, people. I love that. And I'm just fucking, okay, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to write some more music. I don't give a shit. You know, it's great. You know what I love the thought of? I love the thought of when you do online shows and you broadcast it to an audience worldwide. You're like pretending you're in concert and people are watching you even though no one's there. I love that, dude. Like, I think I could live with that more than next week. All the rhetoric of traveling and breaking the equipment down. I'll do that too. Yeah, if it's like a big festival or something worthy. But I like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I love that shit. More solitary type thing. The way things are going, then shit. Uh, are you guys planning something like that in the future to do like a digital show on Facebook Live or some crap like that? Or I don't know how they. Oh yeah, Dude, we're gonna go crazy when the album comes out. Shh, don't tell anyone. Oh now we're going on. You know, you have to do payola. You know what that is, right? You got to go in pay prominent metal sites a good chunk of change to review your video. Da, da, da. You need to do that, dude. I'm telling you, without exposure.
Well, that's the downside to the digital age is that there's so much information out there that there's the competition is so, uh, so enormous that it's hard to get noticed. And, uh, but I think once you guys get your music out there, I think it'll do very well. If people hear it, I think they're going to love it. Well, in my mind, we're the best. And I don't care about the competition. It doesn't matter. I only worry about us. I'm selfish in that way. So I think we should be as bigger, better than anyone else. You know, we're all, we're all they. We're all human. So well, I wouldn't even see it as I competition. Best, I know? just, I see it more as not competition, but just as a, a, a space. People taking up certain amount, and people only have so much time for so much space in their life. One of my favorite songs, and I think this is one of your best songs. I haven't heard the rest of the album, but. This song, The Invisible Corpse, I want to hear that now, but this is like my favorite song. I've been listening to it nonstop since. Everyone's loving that song, dude. Even like the guy that first recorded our album, Robin at Pop Studios, he did the initial recording, the real raw track. I'll be humming that shit like Invisible Corpse, da 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 yeah. da da. His <laughs> wife hums it. I'm like, dude, it's crazy. Like, everyone digs that song. It's, like, it's just the perfect <laughs> element of creepy. Well, let's listen to a little bit of it. Never talk That to me is like, I don't know. It's like, it's just a perfect element of everything. You know, the voice is good. The build up into the heavy parts. I think it's, it's an amazing song. Yeah, thank you. So with that, what the invisible corpse, what's the idea behind that? And yeah, well, all the guitars on the album are done by Crystal Phantom. And we had a guest guitar player too. And uh, yeah, but I do all the bass, all the drums, all the vocals you hear. And well, except on the steps of life, which is another song we do, and uh, Oluations in the Ether. Curtis, uh, Curtis, Crystal Phantom sings those songs. Because that bass line yeah, really drives cool. it. That, that, that bass line is what really, like, fucking goes, oh, fuck, that's, you know, it just really makes you get into the song. I wanted that very melodic, almost like a Cure type thing, but to me it sounds more like old Black Sabbath, which is cool, so I love Geezer Butler. I'm like, fuck, that sounds more like Geezer Butler, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Def, it's got that that cool dark like '70s vibe, jazz mixed with the yeah, you know yeah. everything else. It's just it's just fucking yeah. It's it's just the perfect mix as as style. The drum beat is actually inspired by uh, Black Sabbath, um, Hand of Doom, I think it is. 
So don't tell anybody. Well, they know now, but I didn't feel it. But I <laughs> I'm telling stole everybody. A little bit of it. <laughs> yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Well, damn, this song's pretty much like that. This was me doing my uh, little lame Elvis impersonation, which was more inspired by Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> well, the way you play the cymbals in there and you go back and forth, I think that's what gives it so much character against the bass line because you have that tap on the ride uh, and it's just that little, you know, it just, I don't know, it just gives it that cool vibe and it just makes it creepy and everything that you, you would want in a song. So if anyone out there has, if you're out there right now listening to this, make sure you go to uh, Postmortem Superstars face, uh, Facebook page and add them. So that way you'll know when the release comes, you'll know when the album comes out and you guys can hear it first. You can't let any time go by without listening to this album when it comes out. It's it's going to be your favorite album. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in this album, man. Like, I think everyone's going to really like it. And if they don't, I think... The only reason I want is just not to their taste. But, man, we've been working on this hard for a long time. These songs have been gestating for uh, over two years, kind of behind the scenes from just initially jamming in my room and coming up with the ideas. It's been a long process. But, yeah, Visible Corpse, it's weird. It's growing on me. When I first listened to it, listened back, yeah, it's a cool song. It's probably not one of my favorites, but I don't know why, man. Like, the more I listen to it, it's just like, man, this song's looking like a masterpiece. It's just what I'm hearing in my head. So I that bass now and the production is so cool. Like, whoa, it's a good song. Yeah, the, that's what's weird about writing music is that when you first write it, you're kind of like, well, it's okay. But then as you go along and it builds and you add something to it and you make it clearer and the voice stands out and you're like, oh shit, this is really, that that the vision becomes full circle and you're really able to appreciate it. And that's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of, of recording and producing and stuff. It's just, uh, yeah. I love it. It's fun. We'll have to, we, we should do a Will-O-Wisp reunion, uh, write some new music together, put it out there and let all three of our old fans listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd have a whole new crowd with our new project. They'd be like, yeah. some of them would remember like, oh yeah, I remember this old band Willow. Some would be like, oh, there was another band? Cool, who's this band? And then that'll gain us all new followers, a new generation, so, you know, the old stuff. Like, oh, cool, man. Well, I think that's why I started putting up all of our old shows on my YouTube channel because I want to document it because I have them. Why not put them up there? So let's say after we die in a hundred years, it'll be there and somebody can at least appreciate it and go, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll be like fucking Ed Wood, you know, after we're dead, then people will appreciate us, you know, <laughs> then they'll be like, Oh, they were the greatest band. You know, the kids, Glenn, uh, like I tell everybody advertising. That's why when Postmortem Superstar released their album, I don't even care. We're going to pay big metal channels and platforms to fucking review our music. I don't care. I'll pay a hundred bucks, 200, whatever it takes to fucking get it out there this time. I'm yeah. too sure now to fuck around. I really put a lot of faith in this, a lot of money. And I went without people knowing about it, it stagnates. I don't want that. I don't want that anymore. It's got to build. It's got to, these stepping stones, like, oh, now we did this. Oh, now it's bigger and bigger. You know, I don't want to be like Motley Crue or Kiss. Of course, that's the goal, but even to be a big cult band, something, fuck, just before I die, I want at least that, you know? Yeah, because I mean, the worst part about good music is that it's, it isn't heard from by somebody. You know, that's that, that's that's a really sad thing. But... Well, that, that costs money. That costs money. So, you know, now that I have a little bit of money, I can 
pump that in the band and more people will be able to hear it instead of it just like stagnating. Well, I'll definitely help you out as much as I can on my end and, and push that because I think it's worth everybody listening to. I think it's worth anybody's time. There's a lot of shit out there nowadays. There's a lot of fucking crappy music. But we don't need to listen to that stuff. You got to search for the good shit. Exactly. That, that. But they're the ones with the money <laughs> pushing it out in front of people. So that's what they hear. So we need to get people onto the good stuff like Postmortem Superstar. So that way they, they, they know what good music actually sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like some of this stuff in the mainstream. I really love Billie Eilish. She's cool. Well, let me ask you about music today. Like, do you discover new music nowadays, or is it hard to hear bands and go, "Oh, I've kind of heard that before"? Oh, no, dude, I got tons of like tons of bands, dude. Like mostly underground, but literally my record vinyl collection is at almost fifteen hundred records, just vinyl. My CDs is like well over three thousand. Tapes are about the same. Like my room is just like a fucking museum of heavy metal and horror. It's just like I barely even have room to walk. It's just oh god. But you know the beautiful part about that? Where do you go to discover that new music? Because I think that's the problem with a lot of people today. They don't, other than like Spotify, they don't really know how to discover new music or YouTube or something like that. Like how do you, where do you go to say, hey, this band is cool or, or where do you find it at? Oh, everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Facebook, YouTube, and it's endless. The plethora of information, you can find fucking tons of stuff. But do you, do you spend hours of time just like, thumbing through different bands and go, Oh, that one sucks. That one's okay. Oh shit. This one's really good. Or do you hear it from word of mouth or everything? Just kind of a mix. But you know me, I've always been obsessed with that. Like finding bands. And that's just been my obsession. It's never stopped. I'm just like a music junkie. You know, pre predominantly 70% of my collections, all metal, subgenre, death, black grass, whatever. But the other 30% all over, it's like blues, soundtrack, Industrial death rock, freaking like the Carpenters and the Doors and ABBA, and just very eclectic. But you know, my main love is of course metal and the underground subgenres of music. So that's like my passion, of course. And speaking of horror too, is there any like I've I've noticed lately that horror movies have kind of sucked. And I know you're a big horror fan. You've always loved horror movies. Is there any current horror movie that you've seen that you love that you say, oh, this is this is fucking badass, or is that too much to hope for. <laughs> you mean like a modern movie? Or yeah, like time? something that's been released in the last five years that's a good horror movie because everyone that I see is a big piece of shit. You know? oh, there's a lot of good ones. Well, not so my, my main heart is in the 70s, 60s, 80s predominantly. I mean, dude, my VHS and DVD collection is over easily over 3,000. I have a lot. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff recently. I mean, Autopsy of Jane Doe is a good one. The Evil Dead remake. The brand new one was pretty good. Um, what else? Let's see. Let me go look at my CDs. I'm actually watching Phantasm 3 right now on the TV. Uh, recent, recent. Let me see here. Hobo with a shotgun. You know, that was a horror. That had record Howard playing a psychotic bum. Like oh, okay. People. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. That one was awesome. Hereditary. Oh, uh, Devil's Candy is really good. What was the one with the homeless guy? Hobo? Uh, Obo with the shotgun. <laughs> with the shotgun. That's cool. Which are, yeah, which are actually, awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I, I know there's a lot of people that don't know this about you, especially if they don't know you like I have over the years is you actually have a very strong compassion for homeless people. Cause I remember back in the Hollywood days, 
you would, uh, there's a lot of people begging for change. And then there's a, there's homeless people. You would actually yeah. leave food instead of throwing it in the garbage. You would leave food on top of the garbage can. So the homeless people could eat it without digging through it and getting stuff. And, you know, you would always purposely, what, what, what stems from that, from your compassion for, for those type of people or the, the people on the streets? Well, it was both things. I hated them at the same time. I'd have names for them all. Remember, like, Hunky yep. Hillbilly, One-Eyed Wonder, Bluto. Yes. We always <laughs> had nicknames. I hated them. Like, I hated them. Like, cool, I hope they die. I fucking losers. So then the other part was compassion. I'd be like, ah, here, let me leave some food for them, you know? Like, they can't help their situation. It's like the devil angel thing. Part of me wanted to, like, blow their brains up and the other half wanted to cuddle them and hold them and like <laughs> let them know everything's gonna be okay <laughs> and go across the street and wait for them to get the food <laughs> yep. they're just interesting characters they're like a love hate type thing with them but it is a perfect example of of human nature that you have this angry streak, but you don't let it overcome you to where you commit murder or do something really horrible you actually have a very passionate uh, a compassionate side towards people you know you're not just all anger and just oh fuck everybody oh dude dude i have a weird story yeah check this out this happened today on the way home from work dude i was literally up for almost 40 hours i woke up yesterday at 5 a.m to go to work to get to my morning shift for eight hours i went to cd trader in between time to kill four hours bought some records and dvds went to my next shift which starts at 11 at night to 8 in the morning so i was essentially up Came home, got home about 9.30 this morning. And I was like, well, I have to do the interview with Glenn at 6. I better stay up. I started feeling so sick. Like, ah, fuck it, dude. I'll take a nap. Took like an hour and a half nap. Woke up literally an hour before you called. And here I am now. But, dude, the weirdest thing happened this morning. Got off the subway. And I had my headphones in listening to music. And this tall, skinny guy, he kind of got in my way and put his leg in front of me like he's going to trip me. And I almost fell over. I took my head off. Well, do I know you? So I was looking at through the mask. He was looking at me. I'm like, well, who is this guy? I'm on. Dude, do I know you? Like, who are you? He's going, no. Should you know me? I'm all, yeah, dude. Why do you try to trip me? What the fuck? And he's like, you know who I am? You know who I am? I'm all, yeah, well, who are you? Do I know you from somewhere? He's all, I'm the devil. People <laughs> worship me. You should know that. You of all people. Even said, he's like, you of all people. I'm cool. all, yeah, okay, dude. I'm off. You're the devil. Why don't you blow the bus up right now? Blow it up. He's like, no, nah, I got better things to do. People worship me. They worship me. So I walked away. I stood in across the street waiting for the bus to go home. He was walking back and forth. He kept staring across the street at me, looking at me. I'm like, fuck. This guy's going to come over here and bug me. They started walking halfway up the street, walked all the way back, got on the next sub bus that came. And the bus was going really slow. It took like five minutes to take off. I'm off. Damn, what if he had a bunch of guns in that big bag he was carrying? And then the, the bus went up and stopped. And I was all looking at it from a distance, like, that's a bus stop. I wonder if he killed people. Like, I was just fantasizing. I swear to God, five minutes later, cops came, swarmed around the, the uh, subway. And they literally drew guns and, get out, get out of the bus now, get out. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Where's that crazy guy? Dude, it was him, I swear. Whoa. They were handcuffing him, handcuffing him. Damn. And he was all quiet. He just had his head down, just like, nonchalantly, not yelling back in there, I was like, whoa. I thought, dude, that's fucking weird. That guy tried to trip me. <laughs> either you say, either you really riled him up 
to where he got fucking the cops called on him. <laughs> like you, you fucking put or him in a state really of frenzy <laughs> or, or he's really the devil himself. <laughs> yeah. Or he wanted to prove to you that he was who he said he was. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That was the weirdest thing. That just came to me. I was going to tell you and I forgot about it and something sparked it. Like, dude, that's freaky. I'm kind of like not shaking in fear. Like, Oh my God, I'm just shaking. Like, Kind of in a cold sweating. That was fucking strange, dude. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. It was weird as hell. Hollywood never ceases to amaze, yeah, man. Fucking trippy, dude. They came arresting him. Like, I was all, I bet it's that dude. He had this big bag, too. It looked all heavy. He's kind of like dragging on the ground. I'm all, damn, it looks like he has a bunch of artillery or some shit. Yeah, he might. Otherwise, why would you pull your gun on him? Why would the cops come after him like that unless they knew something? But he was all calm. I was by the distance, maybe like across the street. And he was just calm. He had his head down, his mask over his face, but he wasn't even saying anything. He was just super mellow, like, whoa, weird. But you know what's weird is that when people plan to do something, like that, let's say shoot people up or do something weird like that, they usually play the incident over their, in their head over and over again. And if something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, it kind of ruins their plans, like an OCD thing. So maybe when he tried to trip you, that was part of the plan and you were supposed to fall and then he was going to shoot everybody or do something weird. But because you played into him and you started talking to him, maybe you saved everyone's life on the bus because you ruined his plans. I get all these things going through my head. Interesting. I kind of like it too. (laughs) Yeah. You might have uh, evaded the whole thing just by confronting him because most people probably would have went, oh, leave me alone, oh, and ran away or something. And maybe that because you stood up to him or because you said, hey, do I know you or something? You know, maybe that, oh, shit. Yeah, you, know, you can't really read someone's face with a mask on. You just see their eyes. And he looks kind of familiar. He looks young. I'm like, thinking in my mind, do I know this guy? I'm like, do I know you? Like, who are you? So he started just talking back to you on the road. He's just an asshole or whatever. And he said, I'm the devil. People worship me. I'm like, oh, oh, cool, cool. If you're the devil, blow the bus up right now. Do it. <laughs> you called and he started me. yelling. Those people worship me. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever. I just walked away. Then all the other shit happened literally in like less than 10 minutes. Like, oh, weird. That is weird. That's cool. Yeah, I like it. Really cool. I love shit like that. So I'll write some lyrics based on it in some way. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, I have one final question for you here which might uh, even play into your last story here. Cause, uh, okay. So here's the deal. Here's the premise. Okay. It turns out that Christianity is the real deal. Okay. Let's, let's imagine for a second. And then after you die, the you reach the gates of heaven and God says to you, okay, Tony, you have a choice. You can go to the pits of hell. You can suffer for all of eternity, or you can join us here in heaven with where everything is perfect for the rest of all all the time to end, right? And in order for you to get in there, if that's what you want, you have to go back on earth and relive your life as a suit-wearing, God-biting Christian and not deviate from faith. You have to believe in the Bible and all that shit. Do you ch- what do you choose? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, that, you must have thought of that one for a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. Shit, what would I do? Well, I think my mind would be so rebellious and good enough to trick people so that I'd choose the holy way but so I'd be corrupted in my own mind and find a way to rebel anyway does that count or that uh, well I guess basically what I'm saying is is would you relive your life as a normal person instead of being the person you are for a chance to live in heaven or go to hell by saying hey I have to be my own person no matter what I'm going to be a fucking rebel to the end I'd rather go to hell and be a, a weirdo a freak you know rather than confined to 
the laws of, of Christianity and all that bullshit. Is there a complete proof that hell is such a bad place and I have to be tormented for freedom of expression? Or? That's what they said. Could be a trick. <laughs> you know, I don't... That's a tricky question, man. I couldn't choose either. I mean, do I have to choose one? What happens if I refuse to choose either one? I don't know. I never got that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't answer that one, man. Okay, fair enough. So I want to live, of course, and not be tormented, but I want to be myself. So I don't look at what I do as really evil or bad or negative. I look at it more of actually holier than the most holy man on the planet because I'm honest and real and I don't lie. So in a way, we're kind of more angelic than the people that are supposedly the real angels one more of the angels than they are it's kind of like a weird opposite it's just we dress more crazy looking and more dark looking but you know what i mean that's what i found uh, odd that the the freaks are usually the ones that are honest with themselves whereas the people that dress in suits or the people that are say that they're doing everything by the book are actually the fucking weirdos behind closed doors and the ones that are the worst we we show our emotions. Uh, we we let everyone know who we are. You know, there's no hiding what we it's are. It's just uh, we we fancy interesting clothes and more theater and theatrics, and that all plays into the dark, quote unquote. We just like things that look cool. You know, we're more visual people. So that's pretty basically where it starts with the whole image. Like, oh, I like that. That looks cool. That's interesting. Doesn't mean we're bad people. Damn right, we're not bad people. We're the fucking rulers of the world. Oh yeah, that's you, you saved people on the bus today, man. You're like a fucking superhero. <laughs> I have a very strong ego and I'm very self-centered. So I have an equal side that's just very uh, humble and very like uh, I'm not shit. I'm a piece of crap. Nobody knows me. There's billions of people on the planet. I'm nothing. I'm zero. I'm an invisible corpse. That's the premise of, of invisible corpse. The chorus is simple, but it says a lot. It says invisible corpse. Were you ever born? Invisible corpse. Did you even die? So basically I'm saying, you take a lifetime, centuries of human existence, billions of people dying. How many people are really remembered? Especially people that died in the infancy of man, like Neanderthals and people like that. It's like they never existed. They're just invisible corpses. So that's what those lyrics are about. You know, that's kind of what I talked about on my last podcast with my dad passing is that, you know, in a hundred years, we're all going to be fucking, nobody's going to remember us. Our kids aren't going to remember us. They're going to be in their own lives. They're going to die. And unless you're like Mozart or you're, unless you're somebody famous, nobody's going to give a shit about us, you know? And it's hard for us. It's, it's hard for like, let's say if you're atheist or you don't believe in religion to wake up every morning and go, okay, how can I exist when I know there's nothing? It's not really worth anything except for in the now. Well, that's where my ego comes in is that. I want to be one of those superstars. I want to be one of the special ones, remember. I have billions of useless people. Because as bad as it sounds, it's true. Think about it, really. Come on, man. Like, Wouldn't you agree that half of humanity or not more is completely useless? They just serve society to advance, maybe more advanced people. Or I thought about like a Hitler-type philosophy. But I believe in that, man. I'm, just, I'm really bad in that. Man. I used to believe in that. <laughs> well, here's why I don't believe in that anymore. I used to believe in that, and I, I, I still do to some degree, but... If you think about it, how many useless people does it take to create one genius? Without those useless people, that one genius wouldn't exist. You know what I mean? So like you say, oh, let's get rid of poverty. But how many like people that like Einstein or uh, people like that grew up in poverty and had nothing. So if they weren't surrounded by that, they would have never became the person that they are. Sure, I just wish nature had a way to define itself through maybe not allowing 
if it had a way to see into the future of what's this child going to be 20 years from now? Oh, a drug addict, loser, a piece of shit, nothing. <laughs> Get rid of them now. If nature, if nature could only do that, how much more beautiful this world would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that's so the way, mystery. Nature is very right? flawed because nature is very flawed because a woman can get raped in an alleyway by some worthless drug addict bum. You know, it's against my religion to get an abortion, blah, blah, and some fucking stupid fucking kid that's worthless. Like, oh, yeah. So why would nature even allow that thing to be born? I don't get it. It seems like nature would be smarter. Than well, it isn't. That's that's the law of nature is that everything has its own destiny. It has to create it itself. Because think about who's 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 deciding that. Like, what if they decided that you, because you weren't, you didn't think like everybody else that you were a waste of space. Well, look what they did to Jesus, quote unquote. So, you know, that's, I that's part quote, of the that's problem. quote unquote. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily believe in that, that deity, but no, I'm just saying as a fine example of humanity as a whole. You wouldn't be on this show if you believed in that deity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I believe in, man. I'm very open-minded. I'm just very apolitical and I'm very open to learning from all religions. They're not believing in any one of them. And how, you know, agnostic. I'm fully agnostic. I'm fully atheist. I'm, I have accepted the idea that there is nothing else that I think it's so sad that humans are so egotistical that we believe we exist for a purpose. When, when you compare us to the universe, billions upon billions of stars, we're nothing. We're like a fucking grain of sand. So how could we possibly, how could our life have any meaning outside of our own little planet, you know? To the universe, we're nothing. We're that's fucking. I used to be atheistic. I found a, a little bit more hope in just thinking of how beautiful things can be. Like say the miracle of a woman getting pregnant and that little baby forming inside the womb and bones forming and a heart and a brain. That's, that's just beyond perception of how amazing that is. How beautiful it is. So there's a bit of glimmer of hope in me that maybe there is something great out there. Who am I to say there isn't? I'm not disagreeing with you on that. That's great. Believe whatever you want. But I look at agnosticism more realistic because who am I to say something doesn't exist? Anything is possible. So I'm just more, you know. My belief is atheism as a core, but that doesn't mean I, I'm just saying we don't know. No matter how much you explain, we will never know. You know, there's no way to prove it. There there just isn't. I've come to that realization. So that's where it all comes in when you die. Maybe you will know. Yeah. So you got to think about that. Well, I ain't going to let that happen. Maybe that's when the truth is revealed. <laughs> well, it's going to happen one day. <laughs> yeah, I'll live to be three, yeah. three billion. <laughs> Unless we live forever. Maybe technology will advance so much. We'll be weird cyborgs that never die. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, I mean, I, I have no <laughs> delusions about that. I, I understand it. But obviously my hopes are, I don't want this life to end because I know that there's, in my heart, I know that there's nothing else after it. So I want to, live as much as possible as long as I can and enjoy it as much as possible. So nobody wants to die. Look at like have you ever held your breath as long as you can to the breaking point and then you just gasp for life. How great that felt, how relieved you were. That's how I look at life. It's like <laughs> you want to keep living. You want to keep breathing. You know that terrible feeling of when you're gasping for air, like holding your breath, keep holding it, keep holding it. Like a, I kinda it's like a metaphor for existence. Nobody wants to die. We all want to live. Unless you're in complete, utter torturous pain. Yeah. But otherwise, everybody wants to live forever if they can. It's like the Fight Club premise, you know. Everybody says they want to kill themselves, but then when you hold a gun to their head, 
they fight like it's the end of the world and, you know, they fight to stay alive. You know, even suicidal people are like, oh, don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> so Often I wonder, you think we fear more of the pain, the physical pain of death, or just that scary mystery of, what if it's something bad? I don't want to go there. You know, what, what, what's the catalyst for the fear of death? So you think it's a combination of both or the unknown? So you think that's the biggest fear as opposed to the physicality of it? Like the pain we're going to feel if we do feel pain. Yeah, I think it's more the, the mental unknown because that's why Christians accept death so much more easily than those that aren't because they go, oh, when I die, I'm going to go to, to heaven and I'm okay with that. You know, uh, they can that's accept just our brain it convincing themselves of something. That's what going back to me talking about the brain convincing the body, not the age and slowing the process, they're just so deluded in that thought process that they're thoroughly convinced, no doubt at all. You know, they train their mind to believe, this is it, I'm going to heaven. Yes, I'm going. I truly believe in this. There's no doubt about it. They're obsessed. But it's just a thought. It's just imagination. So they can't go beyond that barrier and think, wait a minute, just wait. What if, let's <laughs> suppose, it's not true. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and then their whole life crumbles, and then they have nothing. There's the the reality becomes uh, of everything they wasted their whole life for becomes non-existent. That's why they're so angry about shit. Yeah, when they could have been fucking hot chicks and listening to heavy metal like like us. Yeah, <laughs> doing fun stuff. <laughs> exactly. We got to turn all those Christians into to devil worshiping heavy metal freaks. That's yeah. what I'm for. Well, <laughs> no. the devils always have the best tunes. You got to admit that. Yeah. I always agree on that. Ever since I was a little kid when I didn't even understand, you know, since I was 10 years old, I was taking your guys' band shots on that bus as Black Mass. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. even then I like, I was like, oh, this is so fucking cool, man. This is the coolest thing. You know, shout at the devil, uh, Molly Crew. Yeah. You know, you're just like, I don't know. It's just watching horror movies when I was like eight years old, you know, all night long, just Friday, uh, Friday the 13th. And Dude, I still do that every day at my house. I don't have cable TV. I have a VCR, a DVD player, two big old school TVs. <laughs> and all day long, I have horror, horror movies playing, just even for background noise, unless I'm on doing something else. I just play old school movies, like I'm stuck in a time warp here. Like it doesn't go beyond like 1989 or something. So you're like that guy from, what was that movie with Christians? What movie was that where the guy just watched horror movies all day long? Fade to Black? No, where he was like a businessman with like the perfect business card and he kept envisioning killing everybody. Oh, uh, American yeah, Psycho? Yeah, American Psycho. Yeah, that's it. You're like American Psycho. <laughs> you work like out all the time. Zone, I, <laughs> you yeah. have horror playing like in the back. Like I'm in a time warp, you know? I like the, <laughs> Anton LeVay called it the crystallization inertia period where you found your niche, say, when you were younger, and you kind of don't really develop beyond that, even though you do because you're intelligent. You know what I mean? It's like a comfort zone, just like, yeah, I feel good. It makes me happy. And that's what life is about. That's what life should be about. Not worrying about death, not worrying about religion or pleasing some fucked up God. It should just be about enjoying your life the way you see it and being happy. And then we can die in peace. I sound like how you said that the anatomist kind of sounds like behemoth. I'm like, oh, I love behemoth. That was a compliment. I wasn't trying to be like them, but you know. Yeah, that's one of my favorite bands. I don't know why I they get a lot of shit from other bands and i don't know why like like they call them posers or something like that but that's one of my favorite all just their look you know is fucking cool posers? it's bad it's bad to be really successful after you've been underground for 30 years and when you actually market yourself and become semi-rich like nergal is he, he has he has money he owns businesses 
sell out, sell out. It's like, no, no, no. Smart business acumen. He's smart, intelligent. Yeah. Why the fuck would he deny himself everything he's fucking worked his ass off for? I'm told before that, dude. You know? Yeah, what's the point of putting out the music then? Why even bother? The whole point is to, so other people can hear it. Oh, stupid underground metal elitist. Business of underground metal elitists, which are usually young teens that think yeah. only me and the dark zone and black <laughs> metal. I mean, yeah, I love all that shit too. Like, come on, dude. It's like, oh, God, I hate that mentality. Ugh. Yeah, they used to do the same thing with um, Cradle of Filth back when we were, you know, when we were got on that metal label, uh, Full Moon, like everyone gave us shit. And it's like, I always used to have arguments with the label, uh, the head of the label, Full Moon, and he would say, oh, uh, Cradle of Phil sucks. I'm like, why? They're fucking great musicians. They fucking put on a good show. They work really hard to pl- to make good music. And like, why the fuck would you not like that? Who cares what their fucking business sense is? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Good music is good music, no matter how you look at it. Like, If it's good, That's it's true. good. Who cares what they're fucking, I don't know. Just fucking people are stupid. And then my philosophy has always been, I'll shop at Kmart and I'll shop at the high end, like what's fancy, expensive store too. If the place has what I want, I don't give a fuck who goes there, what they think, da da da, what they say. It's like, cool. Oh, a million dollar pair of shoes? I like these. I'm buying them. Awesome. Oh, you're trendy. Yeah, cool. Whatever. Oh, then I go to a thrift shop. Oh, a piece of shit, $10 pair of shoes? Those are bad. Oh, you're poor. You're a loser. Yeah, cool. Whatever. As long as they have what I want, I'll go there. I don't care fucking who it is. If it comes from a sweatshop in Nicaragua, fuck yeah, let's take it. You know, that's all that matters. As oh, long yeah. as it's cool, as long as you like it, that's what matters, man. Fuck everything else. Anti-trend, anti-anything, man. Just do what the fuck you want and don't care. Take whatever they say. Like Alice Cooper said, the only bad press is no press. So like Gene Simmons said, as long as they spell your name right, that's good. Let them talk about you. Negative or positive, as long as they spell your name right, that's all that matters. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. so easy to blow stuff off, dude. Like, like dust on your shoulder, like... Wow. Oh, you suck. Oh, really? Here, here. Your dust on my shoulders, ready? Oh, you're dead. Okay, let's <laughs> move on. Do stuff that matters. Oh, you're great. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Cool. It's so fucking simple. It's so simple. Go online. Don't get involved with the shit. Don't buy into all the crap and start arguing with people, wasting your precious energy you can use on something productive. It's so simple. Speaking of which, through all this, is there somewhere to reach postmortem superstar or you, if they like, if they want to hear more of the music, where's the best place to contact you guys and hear the music? I mean, right now we only have a Facebook site, which is in infancy. We just have crappy rehearsal videos and no actual music. Then we have a little Facebook, uh, YouTube channel. So that's cool. People can go watch some of our, we did one show in San Diego so far. It's got footage that, some rehearsal footage, that's it. So we're really going to pump it out there and get it out when the CD and the album is released in uh, March or early April. Then we're going to go everywhere and, you know, start putting on Spotify and sell it physically through the mail. We're actually going to do limited art prints. Because, you know, Crystal Phantom, the guitarist, also draws. So we're going to do, like, actual sketches and throw them in with the CDs and the vinyls. We're going to have, like, stickers and photos. We're going to take old-school photos from Instamatic cameras from the 70s that I have that still work and like throw those in there. We've had a lot of really neat ideas we're going to do like different stuff. So to make it interesting for people to purchase our product. So you are going to put it on vinyl and CD as well as digital. Yeah. And a cassette too. We have a guy in Italy runs a little black metal underground thing. that's going to produce a limited run of 50 cassettes. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah. So we got, we have stuff in the works. We're taking our time and doing it right and 
my main thing is I want the music to sound good and powerful and professional and like presentable. You know? And so if you're out there and you're listening to this, I would say look up Postmortem Superstar on Facebook or even in Google. Um, they will come up because I've done that. Their YouTube and their Facebook will come up and uh, save it, save their site. So that way when the album does come out, you guys can know where to buy it and when to buy it. And I'll be on the lookout for that. And we're still brand new, so don't expect anything fancy with the sites that you go on. There's nothing really there yet. But once the album comes out, hopefully that's all going to change and start building. But right now, it's just completely in its infancy until the album comes out. Well, when you, when the album comes out in a few months, we'll have you back on the show. Uh, so that way we can cool. uh, okay. promote it. Or I'll do a full review on my YouTube channel. That yeah. way we can get the uh, the word out there. awesome. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Always willing great. to support the old band members, the old bandies. But okay, so old is the keyword old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the past members. <laughs> no. Yeah, the deteriorating members. Yeah, the decrepit old farts. <laughs> <laughs> but surprisingly, I'm getting better with age. Dude, I'm going reverse of a lot of people. Like I'm better on drums than I've ever been in my life. I'm hundred times better. I think that's what people don't realize that how it works. When you're young, you're stupid. When you're middle-aged, you're, you're worried about shit. But when you reach past a certain age, you're kind of like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to be as good as I can at everything. It's like you, you, you're wiser, you know, they always tell you that, but you don't believe it until you get to that point. True. A lot of of people deteriorate in the wrong day would go backwards. They get worse. Yeah. But luckily I'm one of the guys that's getting better. And the only sad part is the better you get, the the, the better you get, the closer you get to death. So well, that's just a lifetime of knowledge <laughs> and a lifetime of knowledge coming to fruition. You know, it takes yes. decades, you know, to reach that maturity point and you just advance more and more. Well, definitely, Tony, I want to thank you for being on the Gothic side of life. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. You're welcome. And again, if you guys appreciate this music, if you appreciate Postmortem Superstar, go out there, look them up, get it when the album comes out because you guys will be blown away. I guarantee it. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for being on the show. Is there anything else you want to leave our fans with your words of wisdom? My words of wisdom. An old Willowist quote that I always use. Defy the mundane and we're all future corpses. And also thank you if you enjoy my music, our music, Postmortem Superstar beautiful. I, I love that. Thank you so much. And also thank you, Glenn, for allowing me to be on the gothic side of life. Well, you're certainly welcome. And th- that reminds me, I do want to point that out, that if anyone's curious, I know one of my, the phrase that I always say before every show is welcome future corpses. Tony is the original future corpse. He's where I, <laughs> where I got that from, you know? Yeah, I love that. I like that you're continuing that tradition. That's awesome. It's true, dude. Come on. That, that should be the mantra of all mankind. Future corpse, future corpse, because that's my name, Tony F. Future Court. He's the the OG because we used to put that on all the flyers <laughs> back yeah. in the day. And when I was started the show, I was like, oh, that you know that rang true in myself is that we're all future corpses. So I was like, okay, that's my that's my <laughs> phrase right there. Welcome yeah. future corpses because that's who we all are. I like that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> that sums up everything in life right there. Two words: future corpse. Exactly. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Ha <laughs> ha